Hey everybody, welcome back to No Man Use for This Life with your boy, Sean Cleveland. Now, in today's episode, we're going to do it a little differently. You know, normally I talk about relationships, love, things of that nature. But now with what's going on in the world with this pandemic and with the Black Lives Matter movement actually taking root and people aside from people of color or actually specifically black people paying attention to it, actually getting some mobility, I'm going to cross over into a realm that I normally don't cross over to. You know, I tell all my friends, they, they know me. In public situations, I seldom talk religion or politics because people aren't good with differences of opinion. They don't like to agree to disagree. However, today, since I'm a black man living in America, black man born in America, a black man who is the father of a black son, the husband to a black wife, and the father to a black daughter, in a country that does not love us the way they should, does not appreciate us the way they should, does not see us the way we need to be seen, I feel like it is my responsibility to say something. So here I am on today's episode, we are going to discuss what's going on politically in our country right now. Okay, so in today's America, things are bad. Things have been bad for black people for so long. And we sugarcoat it, we dress it up. The people that do not experience it, ignore it, push it away, act like it doesn't exist. And all of that has served to create a situation that's somewhat like a powder keg. A powder keg that was waiting to explode. And that explosion came after the murder or assassination of George Floyd. It was tragic. It was unjust, and it was televised. It was videotaped, and the people normally in control of the media did not have control. This new age of social media spread it like wildfire. It wasn't the first video to get spread like that, but it was the video that said enough is enough, and that got people that don't look like me to get on board to help try and defend people who do look like me. So let's first talk about racism and my ideas connected to it. The dictionary tells you that it is defined as prejudice, discrimination, and antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on a belief that one's own race is superior. However, when I look at racism and my overall definition of it, I connect it to classism and also to a one group's ability to oppress another group. I say this because I can be prejudiced and judgmental because everyone can and has their own prejudices that they were taught as children and that they learned over time along the way. But I firmly believe that prejudice and racism are not innate things. They aren't feelings or beliefs that people are born with. I believe that they are lessons learned and we live in a place where certain races and prejudiced ideas are taught daily as norms. People's fears and stereotypes and a variety of interactions and outlets through conversations, through actions, and through the media is how the ideas are spread. Like every group endures and faces racism and prejudice through the traditional definition of the word, but make no mistake about it. That's not what I'm talking about when I speak to the racism experienced by a black person living in America. Black people face a racism defined by the white supremacist's ability to oppress and to subjugate, to destroy one's self-image, 
rob a person of their ability to determine their own value or self-worth. But no group in America or on the planet has to live under the daily scrutiny of suspicion and fear of death because of skin color or racial classification the way that black people do. The nature of systemic racism is so deeply rooted in the psychology of America that a black person cannot comfortably do anything in the country while being black. Even basic day-to-day -day activities. You can't sit in Starbucks and wait while black. You can't nap while black. You can't drive while black. You can't walk in a park while black. You can't legally own a gun while black. You can't disagree with the services you have paid for in a nail shop while being black. You can't sleep in your own home safely while being black. The list is endless of the everyday things that every other group of people, aside from black people, can peacefully and safely engage in without being treated as a threat or without resulting in police being called on. This is the everyday existence of the black person living in America and across the world for the most part. And for all of the people who downplay it and don't see it as that big of a deal and can't understand what black people are screaming about or as they like to put it, complaining about. Until those individuals live a life where every single day that you leave your home, you have to prepare yourself for the possibility of being treated poorly, suspiciously, or as a threat just because of how you look, then they will never understand or get it. That's my view on racism from my position as a black man living in this country. See, the fundamental problem is that racism in our country is a part of the very fabric of our country. And because of this, I believe that the calls for conversation and healing will not be enough. The call has to be for change that is actionable on a social and a political level. The social contract that we as a country and as a society have entered into has been breached regularly by our leadership and law enforcement. To give clarity to this statement, I'm saying that when a group of people come together and decide to live together, a system is put in place to ensure order and to promote protection and fair treatment to all. Leadership is put in place and the people agree to follow the rules if those rules are fair and just for everyone. This social contract has been broken often with regard to the treatment of black people. It was broken so often that it makes one wonder if the powers that be even include black people in the social contract at all. But then you realize that the social contract does apply to black people in America because if any of the socially acceptable rules are broken by a black person, they are often met with the harshest of punishments unlike their non-black counterparts. So it begs the question, why should a group of people that the rules of a social contract do not protect listen to those rules at all. So I say that it is a blessing that black people are rioting and protesting for equity and inclusion as opposed to revenge. Listen to that again. Think about that.
Put that into perspective. We need to rewrite the social contract by exposing the behaviors and acknowledging, acknowledging those behaviors and then legislating to change them and against the ones that are wrong. There must be laws against lynching black people. There need to be specific laws and legislation that point out and identify exact behaviors like police brutality against black people, not people of color. It has to specifically be geared towards black people. Yes, everyone is important, but this has to be a black specific movement. Yes, we want and need everyone's help. And yes, right now, black people are dying at an alarming rate. So that is where the focus needs to stay in order to exact effective and lasting change. We're not excluding people. We're just taking care of the people who need it most right now. We will support you guys also. And yes, we appreciate your support. But that's why I always correct people that I encounter and that are contrary to the idea of Black Lives Matter. You're like, they'll come at you when you say Black Lives Matter. They'll say, no, all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter. And we are not saying that they do not. But right now, we are focused on the black lives that are being unjustly taken and asking for support. It's not to diminish anyone else's struggle or plight. It is simply to shine a light specifically on our plight and struggle and for us to try and fix it. Then I also ask those same people, I ask the question of those people that say all lives matter in response to Black Lives Matter. I ask, if this were a fight against breast cancer, and I ask for your support and for you to join us, would you counter me by saying, no, all cancer matters? It wouldn't even cross your mind because that sounds foolish and it is not the point. But because we have all been raised in a society founded on the idea of systemic and institutionalized racism, it is commonplace for people of all races, even other mentally assimilated black people to respond in the same way. The fear of resistance to sustain black solidarity and self-defense with relation to self-worth and personal safety is built into the fabric of our society. People are taught to be afraid of black people, including other black people. And most of them, aside from repeating the rhetoric they were taught, couldn't even explain to you the reasons why. Understand this, it is the task and the objective of the oppressor to take advantage of you and keep you in a position that allows him to maintain control over you and to benefit personally and financially from that control, especially where the root philosophy of the country is capitalism. And when I say the term oppressor or oppression, it refers to a combination of prejudicial racism and institutional power. This oppressive racism can be individual, institutional, and societal. And in a capitalist nation, that oppression is usually connected to classism because the financial ruling class is the dominant class and are the ones that decide what is important, who matters, and who's not important. So now, what about the idea of white privilege? People always ask me what that means, or try to debate the idea that it even exists. Well, I'm not an expert, as I always let people know, but this is how I see it when I think about it. 
White privilege doesn't mean that white people do not have problems and do not face obstacles or difficult times. It doesn't mean that at all because everyone has issues and goes through problems. We all have hardships. It's part of the human condition. But to me, it means that none of their problems are directly connected to the color of their skin and the perceived inferiorities that are attributed to it. It directly relates to the fact that a white person and a black person are treated differently in the same situations, all because of how they look on the outside. If I were to give a recent example of this, um, I would cite two recent protests. In one peaceful protest, there was a, a black woman walking with her child calmly within her rights and who was approached without provocation by police in riot gear. And then she was maced. And then on the other side of the country, you had a, a group of Caucasian protesters that marched on the state capitol in Michigan while carrying weapons openly and were met with no resistance of any kind or aggression. The nature of the responses were directly connected to the perceptions held by the people in authority. White privilege goes so far as to imply symbolically that the angry white people with firearms are less threatening than a black woman protesting peacefully while walking with her young child. That's just, think about that. How, how deep is that? What kind of message is that? What sense does that make? And another glaring and very upsetting example for me would be how the young white man that sat through the church service at a black church was welcomed by them and then killed multiple people after opening fire inside the church, was then taken to Burger King because he was hungry before he was taken to jail. <laughs> See, there are countless other examples as well, but I hope those two quick ones illustrated to you what I'm trying to say. But if they don't, basically, white people in America have the privilege of being safe in their own skin, in their own neighborhoods, and in their everyday lives. While being black in America denies an individual of that privilege. So in closing this episode, I just want to say, I told you before, normally I don't speak on political things or religious points of view, but these arguments are all around us and people with platforms have to speak on them and as a black man living in America the patriarch to a black family I have no choice but to say what I feel and this will be the first of many segments as this goes on in the country that we live in and I will speak on it all I will raise the questions asked of me I will raise the questions that I ask myself and I will just give my opinion on the circumstances going on, and I hope you listen. So, once again, this is your boy, Sean Cleveland, signing out from No Manuals for This Life. Thanks for listening.